And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and less to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time on Hollywood 360, it's gangbusters from the 1940s, and then a good comedy episode of Duffy's Tavern and special guest Fred Allen. To my right, the one and only Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Glad to be here. All right, let's stargaze a little bit. Yes, Amy Schumer has a new book. It will arrive in August of this year. The title is yeah. The Girl with a Lower Back Tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little play on words. Uh-huh. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, the publication date is August 16th. Now, Amy Schumer, of course, I know you. Train wreck. Train wreck. And, and she does. She's on Comedy Central's Inside Amy Schumer. I don't know yeah. if you've watched that. Right. She signed this book deal last September for a reported how much money? Um, I mean, this is estimated. Um, Twenty million. Oh wow! Oh, just a bit of an overshoot. Okay. But okay. It's somewhere between eight and ten million. Okay. Still, still a lot of money, but it's a lot of uh, you know, still a lot. Okay. So they call it tattoo for short. Um, tattoo will feature personal and observational stories from her. They say it ranges from raunchy to romantic, heartfelt to harrowing. So mm-hmm. kind of the the whole yeah the whole kit and caboodle yeah. Um, and she of course is following the path of other comedians who have written books. Like uh, Tina Fey, Tina Fey, yeah. and Amy Poehler, uh, okay. and uh, Mindy Kaling. Uh-huh. So I think this is a trend. Yeah, it and, is. Um, it seems to be a hit, and they all seem to be successful. So, so it's if called, you're funny, you're funny. It's called the uh, girl with the lower tattoo. Lower back. Lower back. See, tattoo. interesting how you remember the name. Yeah. See, it's kind of catchy, well, right? Kind of, you know. So do you think that means that Amy Schumer has a tattoo on her lower back? Probably, probably. Just wondering. You know, what you're she thinking. seems like she might. She might. You know. You, know, you never know hey, what girls yeah. have. Hey, whatever. You know, you know underneath. You know, whatever the floats your boat. Right. Right. Yeah. right. So you all can right. just you know ponder over that. I will ponder it while we listen to Gangbusters. This was a uh, true crime cases that were dramatized from the closed files of the FBI. And, you know, Phillips H. Lord, who created the series, went to J. Edgar Hoover, who was the director of the FBI, and said, you know what? Got an idea for a radio show. I would like to take files from the FBI and we'll have our actors and writers dramatize it. We'll put it on the air and we'll glorify it. The FBI will make them look fabulous. We won't, you know, ever shed the FBI in any bad light. And J. Edgar Hooper said, you know what? I like that. You know what? Because we want people to obey the law and we want criminals to be prosecuted. And this is a good idea. And he sort of uh, gave his blessing to Phillips H. Lord, who created this series. And I think you're going to like this. Let's go back to the 1940s. This is called The Case of the Cincinnati Narcotics Ring. Here's part one of Gangbusters. Now, Gangbusters, presented in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States. The only national program that brings you authentic police case histories. 
the Cincinnati narcotics ring, whose deadly dealings in drugs spread across two nations, until the Royal Canadian Mounties, the Federal Narcotics Bureau, and Cincinnati Police cornered the ringleader in a final duel to death. Gangbusters has asked the Honorable Clem W. Mers, Chief of Detectives of the Cincinnati Police Department, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. Chief Mers, I know the case you're going to tell us about tonight has an international flavor. Well, that's true, Don Gardner. But most important, it shows the effectiveness of cooperation between federal, local, and Canadian authorities, despite the handicaps of international borderlines. Well, it sounds as though you have quite a case for us, Chief Murs. Why don't you start right in? All right, Don. Suppose we begin just a few months ago in the city of Toronto, Ontario. Late one night, two men were in a room on the fourth floor of a second-rate hotel near the Union Station. One, a middle-aged, bald fellow, strangely nicknamed Sonny sat on the edge of the bed, while the other, Big Jim Labard, occupied the only upholstered chair in the room. After a moment, Big Jim got up and walked to the dresser to pour drinks to bind the deal they'd just closed. Okay, Sonny. We'll have a drink on it. Take it easy with mine. What's the matter, Sonny? Our Canadian whiskey bites a little hard? It all bites hard after you tease it too much. There you are, Sonny. May you make a fortune out of the deal. Yeah. Much obliged, Jim, for wishing me a fortune. You already made yours when the licking I took. Nobody asked you to come here and buy. You want, you got to pay the price. Well, here's luck. Four hundred apiece. That's the first time I ever paid four hundred an ounce in the last. Here's the last. Look, Sonny. An ounce of heroin is just as hard to come by in Canada as it is in the States. Yeah. And I'm the hottest guy in Toronto just now. You got three king's warrants out for me. I should lay low. If there is a deal, I got to make. Okay, okay, you may. Don't beef. When do you deliver? When are you leaving? All you got to do is walk across the hall to my room. You can pick up the package anytime. What do you mean, pick up the package? I ain't carrying 30 pieces over the border. You got to deliver to Cincinnati. You take it with you, sonny. Who are you kidding? My understanding of the deal was you deliver to Cincinnati. I ain't running no drugs across the border. That ain't my business. It ain't my business either, sonny. Not at 400 an ounce, it ain't. Okay, you won't deliver to Cincinnati. The deal's off. Sit down there. What's the matter with you? You made a deal, you stick to it. Not if I got to run the border, I don't. It'll cost you an extra hundred apiece if I got to deliver to Cincinnati. Who do you think you're holding up? You. An extra three grand for running the border with a two-pound package? What do you think I am, crazy? You can run the border for nothing, Sonny. It won't cost you a dime. Okay, you robbed me. When do you deliver? Won't be in a hurry. It'll get there. Come on across the hall to my room. I'll show you what you bought. That's always a good idea, seeing what you buy. Have a look in the hall. It's okay. There's not a soul around. Well, you can go. Wait a minute. Uh, What? Back inside, fast. What's the matter? Somebody's in my room. You're crazy. Did you see that light over the transom? I didn't leave no lights. Hello? How should I know? We'll find out quick. Don't be a dope. Stick in here a while. I got about 50 pieces of heroin over there. I got to protect my investment. Because any sense you'll duck that gun, you'll stick here. Come on. You don't get me involved killing no I cops. I need help and you're rich. Now look, Shut you might... up and open that door. Go on. The door was unlatched. Walk across the hall. Open up and jump back. Now look. Go on.
Hold it. Okay. Open. All right, don't move. Well, what are you after, sister? I'm sorry. I must have made a mistake in the rooms. Is that so? Yes. I must be on the wrong floor. Sonny. Yeah? Come in and shut the door. Really? It is a mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as you made a mistake, you figured you might as well take advantage of it, huh? I... Is that why you piled up my clothes, ready to go out the door with them? Take it easy, Jim. Maybe she's law. Law? She's a sneak thief. Ain't that right, sister? Please. I've never done anything before. Don't call the police, please. What's your story? I'm stuck in Toronto. I want to get back home to Montreal. I had to get fair somehow. So you picked on me, huh? I didn't know it was you. I didn't care who it was. I, I tried every door. Please don't call the police. Jim, she didn't find the, you know. (laughs) Don't worry. That'll take a good deal of looking. What's your name? Lucille. Lucille Beauvais. You won't call the police? No. I don't think so. You're a little too pretty to rot in jail. I think I'll give you your lesson myself. This is what you need. (laughs) A lot of it you need. That ought to cure you. Get rid of it, Jim. All I wanted was head to Montreal, that's all. Well, you can walk it. Go on, get out. Oh, all right. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank me. For what? For not calling the police. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Yes? Lucille, didn't you say? Yes. How'd you like to earn car fare to Montreal? Earn it? How? Are you off your nut, Jim? Get rid of Stick your head out of this. What's in Montreal? That's home. I'm broke. There's no place else to go. You got a job, Lucille. I have? Jim. Sure you have. Now go in there and get rid of those tears. I'll tell you all about it when you feel better. Okay. In there? Yeah. Go on. Thanks. Thanks ever so much. You know, you're really nice. How crazy can you get, Jim? Did you ever see such eyes? Black as the ace of spades. What do you want to get mixed up with a lousy sneak thief for? She was telling the truth. It's the first thing she ever tried. Who are you kidding? They all got the same story. She was telling the truth. Dreamed about running into one like her. How can a guy as hot as you take a chance? How do you know she won't crack the law the minute she finds out? You want your 30 pieces delivered to Cincinnati, don't you? What's that got to do with it? Not much. Except little Lucille is going to carry him across the border for me. Oh, well, I don't care how, just as long as it gets across. It will. Tomorrow you take a train to Windsor. And you? I'll drive with Lucille. You check into the Buckingham in Windsor. You'll hear from me by Tuesday night. So you've never been on a trip across to the States, Lucille. I've always wanted to go. There you have your wish tomorrow. First thing in the morning. Let's have a drink on it, huh? Jim, why do we have to lie to them? Why do we have to tell them we're married? Oh, saves a lot of unnecessary questions, baby. That's all. Oh. No, if it's just a couple from Toronto going on a little vacation, there's nothing to it. We drive right across. Well, I suppose it's all right. Sure, sir. Only, um, I don't have the clothes to take a vacation. Uh, where do we get across to Detroit? 
You'll get nice clothes. <sighs> Honest. I can't get over it all. Especially when I think I could have been in jail. How could I have done such a dumb thing? <laughs> well, at least you picked the right room. You've really been swell. That's because I want to be. Don't worry about it. You... What's the matter? Sit still and keep your mouth shut. Those two guys coming to cops. Cops? Mm-hmm. Are you out for a good time, Big Jim? Yeah. Yeah, I like a good time as well as anybody. Oh, Jim! Oh! Right out of my way. You stay with her. Is Jim? Yeah. Had some trouble? Plenty. A couple of cops made me in the joint. I just did get away. You didn't lose the goods? No, I got the goods. It was in the car. They hauled in Lucille. So what? As long as they didn't get you with the goods. You got a pencil handy? Yeah, why? I'm going to give you the name of a lawyer. Get hold of him. Tell him to get her rid or make bond for her. Anything. Are you kidding? I want her out, do you hear? You don't need her to get the stuff across, and you know it. Get hold of that lawyer and get her out. You get on a train and head for Cincinnati. I'll see you there in a couple of days. Have my dough ready because I'm going to need it. Don't forget the lawyer. She don't get out the 30 pieces stay in Canada. Showdown, the fugitive Big Jim Labard, a notorious Canadian dealer in narcotics, had a narrow escape from capture. The next time he was face-to-face with police officers, a shower of bullets closed the gap between them. You were telling us, Chief Murs, that the Canadian narcotics dealer, Big Jim Labard, narrowly missed arrest in Windsor, Ontario, the night before he planned to smuggle 30 ounces of heroin into the United States. That's right, Don, but the police did pick up the girl, Lucille Beauvais, whom Labard planned to use as an aide in the smuggling venture. There was no evidence against her, and she didn't even know the identity of Labard, so she was released shortly after dark the next night. Walked out of the house of detention for women. A stranger in town, Lucille had no particular place to go, and she headed toward a brightly lit restaurant, which was the first thing she saw as she walked out of the jail door. What's in? What? Keep walking. Keep your head straight. They told me who you are. About to tell you myself before I had to leave. Meet me in an hour. Victoria Park. Bench under the Queen's statue. Make sure you aren't followed. Change cabs a couple of times. Yeah, there's some dough. I don't know whether I want to meet you. Be there. I'll see you. Hello? Me. Back here in the shadows. I wanted to see if you had the place set up with cops. You know I wouldn't do anything like that. I didn't know. Mind if I come around and sit down? No. Well, what'd they tell you about me? I'm a pretty mean customer, huh? That's what they said. Would you still like to go across to the States? To help you smuggle dope? Do you care why? Cigarette? Yes, thanks. I didn't know what to think of you bringing me from Toronto, wanting to take me to the States. Especially when you caught me robbing your room. I thought maybe you, uh, fell in love with me. Maybe I did. <laughs> you wanted to use me. 
You had a purpose. If I only wanted to use you, why should I take the chance meeting you tonight? If they caught me, it'd be ten years, baby, at least. That's what they told me. Come here. Please, no. I said to come here. Please, Chip. There. Does that look like I just want to use you? I want to go back home to Montreal. You think you're too good for me? You think a sneak thief is any better than I am? It's not that, Jim. Come to the States with me. No, I can't. You want to when you know it. All right, I want to. What are you waiting for? I... All right, Jim. I'll go with you. Sure you will. But they're watching all the borders, Jim. I know. They've got the U.S. Customs and the lookout. Oh, you'll get caught. Yeah, plans have changed, baby. We're not going as tourists anymore. Now, come on. All right, yourself, baby. Gotta keep my eye out for the patrol. How much longer, Mac? Another 15 minutes, maybe. Get that advice done. Caddy's over the water. Oh, Detroit sure looks near. Looks like it could reach out for those lights. 15 minutes, baby. That's all. 15 minutes seems like a century. Get it done. Uh, what are you worried about? Isn't Hey, turn around, Mac. At the patrol boat? Oh, Jim. Hey. Looks like it. Get to him. Jim. Oh, shut up. Man. Jim, what are we going to do? Don't you know when to keep quiet? Jim. Oh, you're hurting me. Then keep quiet. Stay low on the boat. Maybe they'll pass us by. Jim, if one of their search... Shut up. Jim, drop the package overboard. Not on your life. Drop the package and I have us for nothing. I don't throw 15 grand overboard. I fight for it. Jim, please. It goes over, Jim. Watch out, Mac. You'll be the first to get shot. Very well. Oh, it's going away, I think. Aye, it is. It's, oh. it's a pleasure craft. Oh, Jim. That was a squeaker. Yeah. Well, let's get to Detroit. Yeah. Go on. Roll. Lead off, Captain. Agent Laney of the Narcotics Bureau Treasury Department is here to see you. Laney? Laney, is he from the Cincinnati office? Uh, just a second, Captain. You from the local office, Mr. Laney? No, I'm out of Washington. Uh, he's from Washington, Captain. Ask Mr. Laney to come in. Right. Right through that door, Mr. Laney. Thanks. Come in, Laney. Hello, Captain. I'm glad to meet you. Have a chair. Thanks. I'm in Cincinnati on a special job, Captain. Well, how can we help? Did you ever handle a narcotics dealer, Sonny Wilton? Yes, we've handled him. Do you know where I can put my hands on him? At the moment, no, but I'll put a couple of my boys to checking with you. Well, we're more interested in a guy he's been dealing with lately, Big Jim Labard, a Canadian. You think he's in Cincinnati, too? Well, it's just a tip. Canadian Mounties have been looking for him on three warrants, narcotics cases. Mm-hmm. They picked up a boatman who's been running smugglers across the Detroit River. Their information is that Big Jim made a deal with Sonny and came to Cincinnati. 
Okay, we'll be on the lookout for them both. Mounties almost got their hands on this big Jim last week. He saw them coming and ducked out of a bar. They couldn't shoot in the kind of the crowd. But they did get a girl he was with. Oh? How does she figure in it here? Well, they had no charge to hold her on. According to the boatman, Big Jim just took her along when he smuggled in the narcotics. I see. Uh, excuse me a second. Sure. Yes, Captain? Ask Mayor and Stutz to step in here right away. Uh, yes, sir. There are a couple of my best men on this kind of deal. Oh, good. We don't have too much to go on, Captain, but the Canadian authorities are doing a little further checking on the girl. If they find out anything, we'll hear about it. They want Labard and want him bad. Jim. What? I don't feel like going out and drinking and staying up all night again tonight. I do. Do you think it's time we got out of Cincinnati? Sonny's friends are good people to know. Well, I don't care for them. Well, act like you care for them. This is business. Oh, Jim, I want to go home. I want to go to Montreal. You don't stop nagging me about going home. I'll give you something really to nag about. All right, Jim. Made a lot of dough, Sonny. A good chance to make more. We're not taking that boat trip again. Yep. You're going to help with the load. More dope? No. No, something is just as hard to come by in Canada. Guns. Guns? Yeah. A lot of guys I know will pay a good price for a heater. And that's what we're taking back. A good stock of guns. Didn't you make enough money? There's never enough money. And listen, baby. Wake up when we get to that party. These are people I'm doing business with. I don't want them to think I got a corpse traveling with me. All right. I'll wake up. That's the first portion of Gangbusters from the 1940s with a case of the Cincinnati narcotics ring. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Let's take a break. Then it's more on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, Lisa, you ready? Let's tune this in. The conclusion now of the case of the Cincinnati narcotics ring on Gangbusters. Captain Hartman. Laney Narcotics Bureau, Captain. Oh, hello, Laney. Anything new? I think so. I just spoke to Washington. They got a message from the Canadian Mounted Police. They had a mail cover on the home of the girl's mother in Montreal. Oh? A letter showed up from her. Mail from Cincinnati? Yep. With a return address on Maple Avenue. I went by and looked at the building. It's a big apartment house. Uh-huh. I suppose we put a plant there and wait for them to come out. That's all right with me. Okay, uh, you come on by here, Laney, and we'll see what arrangements we can make. 
Hello, Laney. How's it going? You haven't seen a soul that looks like a bar to the girl, Captain. Well, a lot of people live in the apartment house. Stick here long enough and we'll spot them. Yeah, I suppose so. If we... Wait a minute. Hmm? Someone coming out. Yeah. No, it's not Big Jim. Like I say, if no, we... No, it's not Big Jim, but... Wouldn't you like Sonny? Is that him? I couldn't miss Sonny two blocks away. Come on. Right. Let me handle this, Laney. I know him. Right ahead. He's coming this way. Let's stop and light a cigarette. Mm. Have one? Thanks. Light? Thank you. Where do you think you're going, Sonny? Hey. Police officers. Oh, is that so? Where's Big Jim? I don't know what you're talking about. He lives in that building and you know it. Why'd you go in and get him? Okay. We're going to knock on every door. And you're going to be right in front of us. No, no, no. Look, you don't get me mixed up in this. Which is his apartment? He's got guns. He's got plenty of guns. He'll use them. You don't get me to knock on his door. Which is his apartment, Sonny? H5. Look, don't take me up there. Hold me in. He'll use those guns. All right, all right. We'll see that you get a nice seat on the sidelines. Good. That's where I want to be, on the sidelines. You keep your eye on him, Laney. Hmm? I want to call downtown and get a couple more men out here. We may need them. Yeah, I'll say you will. Go on, Captain. I'll watch him till you get back. Listen. What? Come on over here and give me a hand with this stuff. Oh, Jim, I'm busy trying to pack. What is it? Let me get the stuff out of that drawer and into the carton. Well, come on. Jim, I don't want to handle guns. Guns are the safest thing in the world when you know how to handle them. Come on, help me pack them. Are they loaded? Sure they're loaded. What good do you think they'd be if they weren't? I can't touch them. You want to go back to Montreal? You'll give me a hand. No. Listen, Jim. I tell you something, I mean it. Please, you hurt him. Ah. Hurt too easy. Now, give me a hand. Who's that? Expecting anybody? Go on, answer it. You'll find out. Yes? Who is it? Sonny, open up. I want to see Jim. Jim, it's Sonny. Well, let him in. He can give me a hand. All right, Sonny, just a minute. Sonny, I thought you were... We're police officers. No. One side. Jim. Okay, Jim, get him up quick. Yeah? Watch him, he's got a gun. Jim, no! Get him! Watch out! Ow! That did it. Come on. Jim! Jim! It looks like he's through, miss. I owed him so much. I can imagine. Lead off, call an ambulance. Yes, All right, miss. Now let's have the story. From beginning to end. That down was how Cincinnati police and agents of the Narcotics Bureau Treasury Department dealt with James Labard, a dangerous fugitive from Canada. The girl, Lucille, was deported to Canada to face various charges. And Sonny Wilton, the Cincinnati narcotics dealer, was held on a charge of parole violation and returned to prison to complete his term. Well, congratulations, Chief Mers, to all the officers, Cincinnati, Federal, and Canadian, who showed such excellent coordination in bringing about an end to this dangerous criminal. Tonight's case was dramatized by Stanley Niss and directed by William Sweets, with Frank Reddick and Susan Douglas in leading roles. Don Gardner speaking. Gangbusters is a Phillips H. Lord production. 
And that's Gangbusters with the case of the Cincinnati narcotics ring from the 1940s. And that was uh, produced and directed by Phillips H. Lord. He did a lot of, uh, he produced a lot of radio shows. And this was his most famous, of course. And you know the saying, coming on like gangbusters, Lisa? That's because of this show. You heard all the crazy loud sound effects in the beginning of the show. Well, it uh, sort of got into the lexicon, you know. That was show, I tell you, it was coming on like gangbusters. And to this day, people still say that. I mean, not too often. I say that. You know, boy, that was like when somebody is sort of really got a lot of energy. Boy, you're coming on like gangbusters. Is that just because we're old, Mike? Do you say that, too? Uh, I'm going to start saying it. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one, right? Yeah, let's start a new trend. Let's say it again, Sam. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, I want to remind all our listeners that we have a podcast for this show. It's very important for you to know that all four hours of Hollywood 360 each and every week appears on a podcast that is on our website. It's at Hollywood360radio.com. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. There's a podcast of this show, all four hours, all six classic radio shows, Plus a bonus hour, right, Lisa? Right, we do that for our listeners because yeah. we love them. Yeah, we want to thank them. And at our website at Hollywood360radio.com, you could download 10 classic radio shows absolutely free. Now, why do we do that? Well, I'll tell you why. As Lisa said, we love our listeners. We want to give you a gift for listening to this show. Ten of the best classic radio shows of all time are available to you absolutely free. Just download them and uh, enjoy them forever, forever and ever, right? Yes. Ten, including the Who's On First, Abbott and Costello. These persist through time. That's the point of classic radio. Absolutely. And there's all kinds of other stuff at our website, including our schedule. There's thousands of pictures of Lisa but and, you took them all. Yeah, there's thousands <laughs> of pictures of Lisa. There's, uh, all, what else? There's just, lots of that's stuff it. there. There's just, yeah. that's all. Just Go to Hollywood360radio.com. We want you to do that. Okay, it is time now for one of the funniest radio series of all time. And Abe Burroughs, this is an interesting story, Lisa. Abe Burroughs was the head writer on this show, okay? Abe Burroughs. And his son, James Burroughs, later created Cheers. Now, this series, Duffy's Tavern, is about a group of people set in a bar, right, in New York City. And, of course, uh, Cheers was set in Boston. But it's very similar. He took what his dad did and he, you know, whatever he wanted. He modernized it, it, improved on it, did whatever. Of course, Cheers was super, super popular, still is, of course, to this day. But I really like that, that he took something that his dad worked on and was so instrumental. It was such a popular show on radio, this Duffy's Tavern series, and sort of uh, made uh, transitioned it to television with with Cheers. Uh, I really uh, commend him for that. He's a terrific, terrific producer, director of television, James Burroughs. They recently gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award, saw that on television, and he was a director on Friends, and he did... Um, Will and Grace, and so many great shows. Just a wonderful man. Let's tune this in now. This is going back to January 4th, 1944, at Archie Gardner Stars. And the special guest is Fred Allen. Part one now of Duffy's Tavern. It's Duffy's Tavern, brought to you transcribed by the National Broadcasting Company. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me, Pete? Archie, the manager's speaking. Duffy ain't here. Hey, look, Duffy, I'm just thinking, uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Uh, what about a guy like Alan to MC the pig roast? Huh? Not enough contrast, huh? 
Duffy, that, that feud's just on the surface. Sure. Down underneath, they hate each other. <laughs> well, Alan's jealous, you see, because uh, Benny steals all his stuff. Well, sure. Alan was cheap long before Benny. <laughs> Maybe we could uh, distinguish them. Maybe we could get Alan to wear a blue suit. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to him about it. Uh, so long, Duffy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Duffy's. Come in and meet Finnegan, Eddie the Waiter, Miss Duffy, Benny Venuta, Peter Van Steeden and his orchestra, our special guest tonight, Fred Allen, and Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Brought to you by two products that will pay you to remember. Minute Rub when you have a cold, Sal Hepatico when you need a laxative. Minute Rub, Sal Hepatico. Yes, yeah. Uh, Eddie, you want to hear a real funny joke? No. An absent-minded professor slammed his wife and kissed the door goodbye. Okay, I'd like to hear a joke. <laughs> Look, Eddie, I'm rehearsing uh, to be one of them. What do you what do you call them guys that tells jokes like the ones I just told her? Uh, a ghoul? <laughs> no, no, I, uh, uh, a monogamist. Uh, I'm uh, learning these gags so when Fred Allen gets here, we can uh, bandage a few ab lips at each other. You gonna be pitching or catching? Eddie, you never heard me at a party. <laughs> Honest to goodness, every place I go to, people say, Dead Archie, what a convulsion. <laughs> yeah, wait till me and Allen get together. Boy, it'll be a real battle of wits. Uh, the trouble with this battle is he's got you outnumbered. <laughs> Listen, Eddie, I got just as many intelligence as he has. Uh, especially with somebody helping me. Huh? Well, for instance, uh, say me and Alan are standing here, uh, you know, throwing woody sisms at each other. Uh, now, somebody might uh, ask me, uh, why does the chicken cross the street? Uh, who might ask you? You might. Why might I? <laughs> because you might want Sunday off. Yeah, I, I might at that, huh? Now, why does a chicken cross the street? Because there's a rooster on the other side. Eddie, you ask the questions. I give the answers. That is, if you want Sundays off. What happens if I don't ask you the question? Then you get Sunday, Monday, and always. Well, shake hands with a straight man. <laughs> Okay. Uh, hi, Arch. Oh, hiya, Finnegan. Hey, Arch. Fred Allen here. I'm dying to see you. Uh, do you uh, know him, Finnegan? No. No? Do you listen to his program? No. Then why are you so anxious to meet him? I always like to make new friends. <laughs> well, Finnegan, why don't you listen to him sometime? Uh, maybe I will. When is he on? He's on Sunday nights. Oh, uh, Joe. Oh, I can't, Dodge. Sunday night, my father listens to the Texaco show. Finnegan, that is the show that Fred Allen is on. Dodge, just that, Dodge. How can me and my father both listen? It's on the same station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be tough at that one. Uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you listen some Sunday night when your father ain't home? Uh, I even tried that, but I just tuned in at the finish of the program. The, when the announcer said, tune in the same time next Sunday. 
Well, did you tone in the same time next Sunday? Yep, and once again, they were just finished. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, what does this Fred Allen do? Oh, he's a comedian. He tells jokes. Uh, uh, for instance? Oh, for instance, he says, uh, why is a streetcar like a woman? What else does he do? Uh, Finnegan, uh, you're supposed to ask me. To ask you what? Why is a streetcar like a woman? Finnegan, ask me. So why should I ask you? You don't know. You just ask me. <laughs> Forget it, will you, Finnegan? Miss Duffy, maybe you'll do me a favor, huh? Uh, I cannot, dear. I'm too busy. You're too busy? Certainly. Here it is the fourth day of week here already, and I haven't got my circulars printed yet. Circulars? Miss Duffy, is that in good taste? In very good taste. They're printed in old English type. Well, in that case, maybe you'll get an old Englishman. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll murder that, Alan. <laughs> Leap year, huh? Have you found any suckers yet? Well, there's just one fella. Goldsworthy Harker Road. Your son died. Thank you. Uh, where did you meet Goldsworthy? In, in a restaurant. He wrote me a note on the back of the menu. So then what? So then I wrote him a note. You mean you picked up a guy just like that? I did not pick him up. I just told you we corresponded first. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. Well, then what happened? Well, he invited me for an automobile ride in the country, and he wanted to borrow Papa's car. Oh, well, uh, did you go with him? Of course not. He was a total stranger. Do you think I trust a total stranger with Papa's car? <laughs> well, don't worry, Miss Duffy. There's still uh, 361 days left in leap year. Uh, hey, Danny, Danny Seymour, you are very lax. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know what Harry Von Zell would have said when I said leap year. What? Well, he would have said, uh, leap is the time of the year when people get colds. Oh, that's pretty corny, isn't it, Archie? Yeah, but one tells that way. <laughs> and now, folks, we present the new singing star of Duffy's, Benny Venuta, who, before she sings, rubs her throat religiously with minute rub. Archie, what goes on here? Oh, I'll do better for you, Benny. Please, Danny. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we now have the great honor of presenting that uh, distinguished female vocal chanteuse, uh, <laughs> the singing vocalist of such vocal hits on Broadway as By Jupiter, Kiss the Boys Goodbye, and cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Miss Benny Venuta. Uh, better, Benet? Oh, yes. That's fine. Everything else satisfactory? You like your dressing room? Yes. Except that I have to get out every time somebody wants to use the telephone. <laughs> oh, we'll have that fixed immediately. Eddie, uh, put an out of order sign on Miss Venuta's dressing room. <laughs> I say that when television comes in, you'll be a big star. Oh, thank you, Archie. It's a lucky thing television ain't here now. Why not, Miss Duffy? Look what's coming in the door. Fred Allen. Thank you. Well, Mr. Allen, uh, Duffy's is indeed prideful to have its portholes preempted by such an unmitigated personage as your distinct itself. Dr. Fadiman, I presume. 
Well, Fred, I'm glad you... You're surprised to find out I... I bet you're surprised to find out I ain't no bum, huh? I'm sure I'm going to be, Archie, yes. You're looking ahead a little. So, uh... So this is the famous Duffy's, eh? Yeah, yeah this is it. What do you think of it, then? Well, I have been in a lot of dumps, Archie. But frankly, this joint is to architecture what Jack Benny is to the human race. <laughs> Who is responsible for the decor here? Uh, the decor, uh, Capital D, decor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am responsible, uh... South with that decor. little narrow nose, I didn't think you'd smell it. <laughs> but, uh, tell me, what do you think of the decorating? Uh, what do you think of that wallpaper, John? The wallpaper? It looks as though the one-armed paper hanger still has the hives, Archie. Uh, Mr. Allen, I personally hung that wallpaper myself. Well, you couldn't have picked a better paper. Well, thank you very much. Yes, sir. There's nothing like the New York Times. <laughs> and, Archie, I must say that you showed good judgment in putting the obituary column next to the kitchen there. Thank you. And look at the rest of them antiques. Uh, Duncan Fife cuspidors. Uh, <laughs> well, you see those. Look at them uh, Chippy Dale tables. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Genuine oil paintings. Uh, that one up there, by the way, is a portrait of uh, Duffy, the proprietor himself. Uh, Say, he looks like sitting bull looked before he sat down, doesn't he? <laughs> and these, uh, these cracks in the wall, Archie, what are these? Air conditioning for the termites? Mr. Allen, uh, Duffy's does not cater to termites. <laughs> you mean even termites refuse to eat in here? <laughs> Please, no cracks about the food. We may not serve uh, partridge on peasant, but uh, <laughs> the uh, food is very nourishing. It's nourishing, eh? You know who eats here? Who? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> that I can believe. <laughs> He is a real disciple of malnutrition. <laughs> yes, sir, and he's got us to thank for it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of big shots eat here. You see that guy over there? That's Crutface Clifford, the safe cracker, strictly Park Avenue. Huh? Oh, a Ritz cracker, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a great dynamite man, very delicate artist, too. I have seen Crutface take a pinch of TNT and open a can of sardines. <laughs> That rem- <laughs> and when the can of sardines were opened, there were the little sardines laying there with that joke alongside. That reminds me. That That reminds me. I knew a safe cracker once, Archie. One Halloween, purely as a prank, mark you. I put a little bicarbonate of soda in with his nitroglycerin. What happened? That night, I don't anticipate. <laughs> you heard it the first show. Now you're laughing before we get there. Well, better I better it goes along, I hope. <laughs> I put, uh, I put uh, a little bicarbonate of soda in his nitroglycerin, and that night, for the first time in history, a bank burped. <laughs> Must have been very embarrassing. A bank naturally couldn't say, pardon me. <laughs> No, it was just one of those corny exchange banks, you know. <laughs> Couldn't have been no cornier exchange than this. <laughs> oh, Mr. Allen! Well, as I live and breathe, if it isn't... Archie, what is it? 
Oh, uh, uh, this is Miss Duffy, Fred. And uh, take a tip. Watch out. What do you mean, Archie? This dame carries around a marriage license made out to her and to whom it may concern. <laughs> Uh, Miss Duffy, Archie tells me that you've entered yourself in the Leap Year Derby for Phillies. Yeah, and the way book. she's been running, you'd think she was owned by Ben Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> you two talk like I was a horse. Now, listen, Archie, if I was to tell you Now, little lady, don't get excited. You might pull a tendon. Save your wind for the track. <laughs> I will have you two know that I am no horse. What do we do with her, Fred? Slap her saddle on her and put her in a claiming race. I would... <laughs> That's the trouble with her. Nobody will claim her. Oh, you. Well, well, so you're Fred Allen. That's right. By her relatives, I'm called Portland Hoffer's husband. <laughs> and uh, you are? Uh, Clifton Finnegan. Clifton Finnegan. Uh, so you're Fred Allen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Boy, no wonder you make so many people laugh. Look at you. Finnegan. Please, that is ill mannered. Mr. Allen is not responsible for his ghastly looks. Thank you, Archie. Say, that's a good trick you've got. What's that? Talking through your nose like that. It must be hard to slip the words past your adenoids. How you do it? I use small words. (laughs) Of course, if I feel a big word coming on, I give it both nostrils. (laughs) And then I push it through with hyphens on occasion. That's the first portion of Duffy's Tavern from January 4th, 1944, with special guest Fred Allen. And we'll play the conclusion to this Duffy's Tavern episode. Plus, we'll hear suspense on our next hour. But first, a word from our sponsors. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, Lisa, in our next hour of Hollywood 360, we're going to tune in to the conclusion to Duffy's Tavern. Then we're going to go back to 1942, which was the first year Suspense came on the air. And we're going to hear an early episode of Suspense called 100 in the Dark, and a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Don't miss it. So uh, be with us on our next hour here. Lisa, Mike, and I signing off.